Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Many of us have experienced the excitement and awe of watching 8,000-pound orcas, or killer whales, as they soar out of the water and fly through the air at, at, um, at sea parks. Yet these mighty black-and-white mammals have many sides. A majestic and friendly giant seemingly eager to take their trainers for a ride around the pool, yet shockingly and unpredictably able to turn at a moment's notice. Blackfish, the film Blackfish, uh, shows shocking never-before-seen footage and riveting uh, interviews with trainers and experts uh, manifest the orca's extraordinary nature, the species' cruel treatment in captivity over the last four decades. We're joined today by the director of Blackfish, that would be Gabriella Cowperwaith. She uh, is joining us today to talk about this remarkable documentary, Blackfish. Gabriella, welcome to Film School. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, um, obviously, the film has been receiving uh, just terrific uh, write-ups, reviews, uh, and well-deserved. Tell me a little bit about the uh, genesis of your involvement in this process. What was it about? Uh, what did you? What was the impetus for you to decide to go ahead and do a documentary about orcas? Yeah, I actually was a uh, um, uh, a mother who took her kids to SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. So I actually, um, you know, was kind of um, confused when I heard uh, that. Uh, a trainer came to be killed by a killer whale. I didn't think that these things happened. I certainly didn't think they happened at, at um, a place like SeaWorld, which I always considered, you know, bucolic and happy. And trainers love the whales. Whales love the trainers. So um, I just, that was my portal of entry. I just sort of um, asked that question, why did a, a killer whale make this decision? And then I peeled back the onion from that point on. So did, did, with this a specific trainer, are we talking about Don? That's correct. Okay. Don Brancho, Brancho. Okay. Uh, was killed in 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yes, and you know, was killed by a whale named Tilikum. So um, you know, this was uh, again a, a confusing incident in my mind, and I kept thinking that it had to be um, an accidental drowning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really um, only until I sort of um, started investigating and peeling back the onion that I realized uh, it was uh, it was far from it was far. From uh, from an accident. Well, from that moment when you thought something's not quite right here, this realization on your part, what were what were the steps beyond that? Did you begin to, trying to make contact with the trainers? Did you go to Did you try to approach SeaWorld? What was the sort of the the the, the steps from there into into making? Yeah, I um, you know, I started researching. Okay. So it really is, you know, just a ton of um, writing and researching. And uh, then, you know, um, was kind of developing the story in my mind. Um, but then, you know, so much of it hinged on these uh, interviews with these former SeaWorld trainers. Mm-hmm. And a few of them had come, become uh, vocal um, right after the death of the Umbrella Show. I think they heard the, the you know, the, the party line coming out of SeaWorld at that point, and they knew that couldn't be, um, that they, they smelled a rat, basically. They mm-hmm. knew that that wasn't legitimate. And uh, so they became vocal in the media. So I, um, and also I read a, an article called Killer in the Pool mm-hmm. by an author, Tim Zimmerman, who writes for uh, Outside Magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, 
he went back 40 years. I mean, he talked about uh, the original killer whale captures. Amazing. And really how killer whales came to yeah. be these animals we see in marine parks in the first place. That was an amazing part uh, of, of the story. Um, you know, I don't know how I assumed that they got there. I, I didn't, you know, put the two and two together, if you will. But there is uh, this is amazing backstory, and you in in the film Blackfish about how they're captured, and some remarkable footage as well to sort of document the actual capture of these um, whales. Now, for me, uh, um, to sort of for our audience, I should say, are are these the sort of the the tree from which the the branches have grown of all these different whales? Is this the is this the sort of um, Whale zeros, if you will. <laughs> is that the right way to put it? Right, the beginnings right. of the, all of this? Is that right? Yeah, from the, from the capture. Yes. Yeah, um, you know, that's, you know, there were, there were a series of captures. I really focused on one. Yeah. You know, the one where uh, John Crow was part of the, the diving team there capturing whales. Um, so I, uh, I focused on that capture. However, there were capture, a, a number of captures right during the, you know, late 60s, early 70s mm-hmm. um, that it essentially would, would, you know, fill marine parks, the, the marine parks we know today. Yeah, it's a, it's it's uh, again. This is uh, part of the 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 appeal of your film is the insider look, really pulling the curtain back on how the, this the 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 logistics and the machinations of how all of this worked and moving forward. And even then, um, the uh, the dive the guy was it John? What was his? I'm sorry. Yeah, John, John Crow. John Crow, uh-huh. and how his remorse at seeing even then you could. He said, basically, I can tell, uh, you can tell immediately the, um, the, the visceral bond that the, uh, the mother and, and the cubs have and seeing them ripped from the mother. It's just a, a wrenching kind of uh, part of the film and a, and, and a realization just how intelligent and family-centric and all the rest of it that we, we just have sort of put aside in yeah, this, in this, yeah. in this desire to be entertained by all of this, right? Um, really remarkable stuff. Um, so moving forward from that point, so you got the footage. You're starting to talk to the um, to the trainers, and they have some remarkable stories as well in here about their experiences. Um, at, at any point in this process, uh, uh, did uh, and you started? You get you do get two sides of this story as well. You, there are people that are in your film that basically talk about SeaWorld and their from their point of view, but um, what's what's been their reaction? I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. What has been their reaction to this film? To SeaWorld's reaction to yeah, Blackfish yeah, the, is, uh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've right. I guess it was a little over 72 hours ago. They uh, issued um, a series of statements. They wrote a um, film, I think, blasted about 50, uh, 50 film um, critics, newspaper film critics with a, uh, um, a uh, statement, an email that they said, you know, they they think that the film is um, misleading and uh, unfortunate, yeah. and um, yeah. and they went through about eight points or so um, that they have particular problems with. Uh. Um, and so, and you know, uh, from our perspective, it was um, we knew they had to say something at some point. I did uh, fight very hard to try to get SeaWorld to be interviewed for the film. Yeah. So I was in touch with them very early, again, you know, before I knew really a lot of the stuff about the park and, yeah. you know, really about the history. But um, I fought very hard to, to get them to be a voice in the film. I even gave them my list of questions, which is um, sort of something you never do in documentary. Um, but, uh, 
but they declined to be interviewed. So we knew we'd eventually hear from them, you know, in the 11th hour, the, yeah. you well, know, a week before the film was to be uh, released nationwide. Sure. But what they did, they it was interesting. They went after some facts. And, you know, th- this was, th- the facts are indisputable. Yeah. That's what was so interesting, I think, about their approach is that we just were able to sort of debunk every single one yeah. quite easily. And, um, and, you know, again, this, the, facts of, the facts are things that people can just look up online. You, right. know, you don't even have to do considerable research to really know, you know, how whales, how long whales live in captivity versus how long they live in the wild. Um, you know, their, their shortened lifespans, um, the yeah. ponytail theory that SeaWorld kind oh, of keeps God. spinning. Yeah. This is how Dawn was brought into the water right. uh, by Tilikum. And uh, we know that, that their own people... Uh, at SeaWorld actually testified that that wasn't true. So, um, you know, a fact's a fact. So they're, they're indisputable facts, so we just thought, why? I'm, we're not sure why they took that tactic. But, um, but you know, we knew we, whatever. I'm, I'm exposing things right. that SeaWorld has fought very hard um, for four decades to keep under wraps. And it's, it's only natural that they'd have a response. Well, of course. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up uh, early in this interview was because uh, of course, they're going to they're going to try and strike when the the film is is beginning to have a profile. I mean, it's coming out today, and and try to essentially poison the the well for people who are considering uh, going to see it. And and it's I mean it's sort of a classic PR move is to to have the to try to be the last voice that people hear in 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 this kind of discussion. But again, That's going right. to, again going to your point, uh, the, the facts are not in dispute. Uh, uh, and this is a, uh, I, I think you say multi-billion dollars. It's certainly a, a, it's a huge sort yeah, of corporate. Two point seven billion there, a year. There you go. I'm told now. And mm-hmm. and of course they're going to try and muddy the waters, if you will. Pardon for right. pardon that uh, that analogy. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because it, you're going to people are going to hear some some version of the so-called truth from SeaWorld, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to get that out there. Now sure. let's focus on you know film a black fish. Um, I want by the way I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Gabriella. Uh, Cowper Waith, uh, she is the director of this remarkable documentary on on um, killer whales, as we come to know them, orcas, uh, is a more scientific way to say it, and the relationship uh, we have to them now is entertainment as opposed to uh, these magnificent creatures that they are, and the, and they deserve to be in their natural habitat, not captive like they are. But um, let's focus on Tilikum and sort of yeah. run through the story of this particular, and focus much of the film on this particular um, orca or killer whale. Great. Yeah, he um, he's my protagonist, antagonist. Yes. He is, um, uh, oh gosh, such a complicated animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, I always have to be honest about my perception of him. When I first started the story again, you know, obviously I, got into this because I was trying to figure out what happened to that, the, the trainer who was killed by a killer whale. And so one of the first things I did was sort of read the autopsy report. Mm-hmm. And here I witnessed, uh, I witnessed sort of testimony about what, what happened that day. Yeah. Um, so he just terrified me. Um, I didn't have uh, a natural empathy mm-hmm. um, for him. And, it, and it's a, that's a hard one to 
really admit now, now that I know what he has gone through in his life. Um, I feel bad that I felt that way, but I just, uh, I, I just found him just a, a really, really scary animal. Yeah. Yeah. So I almost, you know, for my own, you know, reconciliation, um, I had to go back 40 years to really figure out um, what had happened to him. Uh, again, this was such unnatural behavior for a killer whale to kill a human being. This has never, this has never happened mm-hmm. in the wild. In the wild, at least you know, no documentation has ever shown that a killer whale has killed anybody in the wild. So, um, you know, to be able to under to try to figure out why this happened, we uh, I went back 40 years yeah. and sort of started at the beginning. And uh, and at that point, you know, um, I learned about his capture. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, this is you know male killer whales swim with their mothers and stay with their families their entire lives. So um, he would have, um, he would have been um, uh, pretty much um, taken from his pod, mm-hmm. um, his, his family, yeah. at, an early, at an early time in his life. So he, um, at, from that moment, he would have gone to, uh, let's see, they put him in Iceland, and put him in a tank. So I'm, I'm told it was like a hull of a ship uh, by some people. So he was kept there for a year. Now, I don't even characterize that in the film because we didn't have the footage, and it's sort of this lore right now because there's just no documentation of where he was kept. Mm-hmm. But he was kept in um, solitude for a year. Jesus. Then he was moved to Sealand of the Pacific, which is a, um, uh, a marine park up there in Victoria. And... Uh, and the moment he was brought there, he became the sort of, he was the subdominant animal. There was three animals there, two uh, females, Haida and Nutka, mm-hmm. and um, they, um, you know, I reminded him that he was a subdominant animal um, on almost a daily basis. So they would rake him mm-hmm. um, from head to tail, Meaning which is, you know, for... running, running yeah. teeth across the skin. Mm-hmm really essentially biting an animal. Yeah. Um, so he would, just have, he would just be raked and bloody um, uh, all the time. So, uh, you know, again, in the wild, if, a, if an animal is a subdominant animal, they can say touche and they can leave. They can flee. Mm-hmm. But here the three of them are confined in this small pool. He's confronted with this, like, hierarchical uh, conflict on a daily basis. Um, Sealand was also a net Essentially, it was like a net in in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So the bottom, there was no bottom of the pool. It was just this net hanging there. And um, the managers were, uh, the owners were afraid that someone would cut the net and release the whales. So at night, they would put the three of them in a module um, where they would uh, not be able to turn around, mm-hmm. not be able to swim, but they would just be side by side mm. um, for what amounts to be, you know, two-thirds of their life. Uh, and again, you know, knowing what we know about killer whales, they are just, you know, built for speed, built for agility, and, um, you know, they were just essentially in this sort of black box. Um, and then, you know, Dentilicum is right next to two whales that um, would bully him, for lack of a better word, um, and he would come out in the morning when they released him out of the module, he would come out bloody um, nice. after a night of, of having to have, you know, dealt with conflict. So that... That's the whole first part of his life, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's just a, the the grim the grim story. I think is that this is this these are his formative years, you know, um, in a way. Uh, and this was all before he was brought to SeaWorld. All right. Um, uh, you know, uh, just uh, these and we, uh, throughout the film, it it's it, it 
you, you see how uh, how intelligent um, these animals are. Um, many I've heard people say, and I think it even in the film said that essentially their intelligence is pretty close to human beings, if not in some ways better adapters, certainly to their environment than human beings are. Right. Uh, um, and so there's a innate intelligence, and there's a, there is a sense of connection, as you described earlier, community and family. And so right. it's not it's not hard to make a leap that this that this uh, that uh, Telecom was abused and mentally ill. Um, uh, is yeah. that would that be a stretch or am I overstating? Yeah, that? I mean it's so hard, right? It's so hard for us to really know what it w- was going on in his head on that day, or right. what really. Yeah, ever is going on in right. his head. Um, all we can really theorize about is like th- th- what might have led to his actions, right? right. Um, based on the fact that not you know killer whales in the wild don't do these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that it's hard. It's hard to figure out any other theory. You know, he, he seems like this like emotionally or psychologically damaged animal and you know you think about emotions and right. well are we allowed to really say that animals have them and you know right. um is the scientific world uh embrace right. do, do they embrace that but you know as we see in the film their um uh, their brains actually have a part of a a part of the brain that we don't even have right so they have everything that we have in their brains and then they have a part that is extended out um that we can't even identify right. because we don't have it and that part is associated with the limbic system and is apparently, you know, it's theorized that it's uh, part of their social and emotional right, right. Um, lives. So, you know, this is why they bond. This is why they're great, you know, pod, uh, socially bonded animals. And so you can kind of say, well, strip an animal away from that, and you are kind of hurting that animal uh, emotionally and definitely socially. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think... Uh, I think we do have a very, very damaged animal on our hands. Well, I think you can certainly say uh, about Telecom that his his emotional palate certainly inc- includes violence and violent reactions to exactly. circumstances. I, I think that exactly. whether, whatever else you might want to say about their brains, intelligence, and the rest of it, this is certainly in the realm of, of, of a pattern that he has been subjected to and would understand the consequences of. We would understand that it's something that that he's capable of. Uh, That's right. And they're not eating us, right? I mean, you can right. like say, see aggressive behavior from all sorts of right. apex predators out there. But, you know, they they don't they don't eat us. Right. And so when he killed Don, um, it was such, such aggressive, um, okay. prolonged, brutal attack. Right. Um, that SeaWorld sort of plays off as being, oh, he was just interested in her ponytail. It was right. novel curiosity. And, you know, when in fact he was desensed to ponytails, he didn't even care about them. He, he um, just, you know, brutalized her. And, um, and this is not for food. And this is not, right. you know, teaching the young how to kill. Um, this, it, this, just appeared to be, uh, you know, some sort of, I guess, psychotic break. I mean, well, nobody I, even under quite understands. Right. Well, in watching um, in watching the film, to me, it was there were there were some a number of circumstances in this particular incident that you can see contributed to it. But yep. it, to me, as some an outsider, not a, not uh, not a, uh, certainly an expert on, on whale behavior, but it seemed like an enough moment. He'd had uh, enough. Exactly. I think that's exactly right. Right. 
you know. these had to have contributed enough to have made this happen. Yeah, you know, that's enough. I've had that's it. That's it. I'm I'm going to take this out on somebody, and Don was was the person that was happened to be there and when it happened. But that's uh, that's how it is characterized in the film, and that's definitely how you know I think we all kind of come away from that incident. Well, I, I I am so sorry to have to say this, but I'm I'm literally out of time. And I I st- please go see this film. Um, this is a, a really a, a wonderful, well made, uh, great interviews. Uh, the, a very full story. You you get a full range of of fact and and figures and people's emotions and their relationships and their relationship to these magnificent animals. Be I mean, they're just uh, they're beautiful. Um, they're, um, it's remarkable stuff. And, um, uh, it's called Blackfish and, um, Gabrielle, thank you so much. The, the director, Gabrielle, uh, Halperwaith, uh, the, uh, director of Blackfish. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 